Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 25th day of June 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this in Boston, Massachusetts, on the campus of Boston University, at the corner of Harry Aganis uh, Way, sorry, look at Harry Aganis Way, and Braves Field. I'll get into why I'm standing here in front of Nickerson Field, the home of the Boston University Terriers. I just want to say before I get into the main chunk of what we're going to be talking about today, I have to just marvel a little bit of what's going on in baseball over the last. Oh, I don't know, the last couple of weeks, in that, you know, my grand pick of the Pittsburgh Pirates being the team that wins the Central over the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I mean, the Pirates won on Friday night, and they are still two weeks behind the Cubs in terms of their standings. They're still 14 games behind the Cubs. Uh, They've been, you know, obviously they've been terrible recently. Uh, last night's win notwithstanding. But keep in mind, and I heard this on the Baseball Tonight podcast, and that I believe they're going to be done playing the Cardinals and Cubs like in a few weeks, or like most of the games. Like the bulk of the games of the second half of the season are going to be against tomato cans. They're going to be playing a lot against the Brewers, playing a lot against the Reds. And, you know, wasn't at this point last year that the Rangers looked like they were, you know, dead underwater. Was it the the few years before it was the Royals who looked like they should be selling off? Now granted it's harder to do that in the National League than the American League, which is a little parody filled, but still still I, I'm I'm not giving up on the Pirates just yet. Probably because I'm I'm not, I don't believe in the Dodgers. Uh the Mets can't get out of their own way and oh look at that. The uh Washington Nationals can't seem to win a game these days. So I don't know. There's still, if I am a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates and I'm someone who has a very, very soft spot in my heart for the Pirates, I, I don't see the fact that they are currently, what, four games under 500 and currently, you know, about five games out of a wild card spot and have to leapfrog the Marlins, the the Cardinals, the Mets, and the Dodgers. Why do I have a confidence in the Pirates? Because they have to leapfrog the Marlins, the Cardinals, the Mets, and the Dodgers. That doesn't seem... Look, at, I'm, I'm not belittling those teams. Actually, I am. I just realized I am. Because I don't trust the Dodgers. My thoughts of the Dodgers right now are eerily similar to Han's thoughts about Lando. I don't trust Lando. I don't trust the Dodgers. I don't think... I I look at this team, and they seem to be several pieces shy of what they need. Now, they've had a terrific last punch of 10 games. But do I think that that's going to last? No. In a word, no. The Mets... Um, see, the the Mets are weird because I, I I picked them to win the division. I still think they're going to win the division. But and, and you look at the Nationals can't win a game recently. You're going to see teams fluctuate. 
I don't see, unless the Marlins make several big moves, several big, big moves, like to, to get that extra arm in their rotation and get that extra bat in their lineup because they have good pitching. They need bullpen depth. They need another starter and they need another bat. Those are three pieces. It's kind of a shame because there's such, such wonderful stuff going on in, the, in Marlins land. And you know that if they make the playoffs, they're going to win the World Series because that's what they do. How, if, if that happened, by the way, can you imagine if the Marlins get in as like the second wild card, they beat, let's say, the Mets. So they're like the third place team in the NL East. And then they face the Cubs. And imagine if they beat the Cubs. If that happens, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. It would be an absolute catastrophe. It would be an absolute calamity. And, and there's a very sick part of me that would like to see that. That we look up and say, oh, God, we've had the third straight decade with a Marlins World Championship. And once again, they snowplow teams that desperately need that title. Now, when you think about the Marlins winning, the, you know, they beat the Giants those two World Championship years they had. They beat the Indians and they beat the Cubs. Well, the good folks of the San Francisco have won a couple of championships, so that's quelled. You know, the Indians haven't, but you know the Cavaliers won, and the Cleveland fans can stop worrying about stuff. Man, if they beat the Cubs, wouldn't that be the worst thing? The worst thing and the best. It'd be the worst and best thing simultaneously. And that's not easy to achieve. I haven't given up on the Pittsburgh Pirates because of why I picked them in the beginning, in the first place. There's talent on the team. They've gotten their butts kicked by the Cubs a bunch of times. I think the fact that they've had such a lousy record head-to-head with the Cubs has deflated their, obviously, where they are in the NL Central standings. But the fact that that's got them reeling a couple of times with, you know, there's roughly, there's not really quite two-thirds of the season, a little less than two-thirds of the way through the season. But don't we see that every year now? Don't we see a team that looks like it's in an impossible place start to leapfrog everyone? That things start to click? I mean, isn't that an annual tradition? And why can't that be an annual tradition for the Pittsburgh Pirates? Or am I being stubborn? Am I being a stubborn, stubborn man who realizes that everyone in their moose picked the Chicago Cubs to win the division, and and I was a, a, a contrarian. And now I look like a, a, an absolute dope for not pulling the trigger on that prediction. I don't know yet. The other thing that I find absolutely amazing is that you take a look at the, the Indians and the Rangers right now. Both teams have had devastating injuries. Both teams have had, I mean, the Indians have lost two-thirds of their starting outfield to performance-enhancing drug suspensions. And the, the, the members of the rotation, anyone in the rotation not named Cole Hamels on the Texas Rangers have been, have been falling around like flies. And if you, if you list it and, 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 and gotten incredibly bad production from key members of their team, and the Indians have had some disastrous production. And yet here we are, 
the Indians just picked up a week. It's been quite a week in Cleveland. In fact, I can't remember. This is how bizarre it is. I can't remember the last time anyone in Cleveland lost. They, I mean, it's been over a week since there's the good fans of Cleveland have experienced a loss. You know, the, the, the Warriors were up three games to one over the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then the Cavaliers won the last three games of the series. While that's going on, the Cleveland Indians are on a seven-game winning streak. And the Kansas City Royals just, I mean, last night they were just grotesque. And you look up and the Indians have, a, with all the injuries that they've had and the PED suspensions, the, the Indians are in first place over KC. Now, do I think they're going to remain that way? Do you know what? There's a possibility they might. Do you know why? Because they can improve. They can improve whether they deepen, they dig into their, easy for you to say, they dig into their farm system or they pull off a trade. If they get a bunch of rental players in Cleveland, Cleveland doesn't have the deepest pockets. But Cleveland is in a position where you can say, hey, wait a second. If we make a deal now, if we make the right acquisition, then we could be in a position to build upon what is right now a four-game lead over KC, a five-game lead over Detroit, and uh, a six-game lead over the Chicago White Sox. Now, in the American League, you really don't know. I remember it wasn't that long ago that you know the Seattle Mariners were hitting like crazy and pitching like crazy. Like, oh, man, is this... We were, a few years ago, people were picking the Marlins to... Uh, not the Marlins, geez. Picking the Mariners to win. You know, oh, they're, it's all together. There's, everything's coming together with this club. And now what? They, they've dropped six games in a row or however they're on a they're on a bad they're in a bad place and the fact of the matter is they they're falling to earth pretty fast and some of the players who look like great pickups they're starting to it's the market correction you know you you teams that look really great uh, you know two or three weeks ago are you know floundering around 500 I'm looking at you, White Sox. I'm looking at you, Seattle Mariners. But there's a difference between the White Sox and Mariners where they can fluctuate, where, you know, hanging around 500 for the majority of the year, you could put yourself in a position, if you hang around 500 and hope you have a good final week, that could be enough to punch your ticket for October. And yet I have more confidence in the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are currently uh, um, four games under 500, just because I think they have the talent. But the American League, things are going to fluctuate like crazy, which is why if you have a lead right now, it might be the smart thing to fortify what you, what you need to do. Now, of course, I said that same thing about the Chicago White Sox and what they do. They listen to my advice. They pulled the trigger on the James Shields trade, and whoops. He's been nothing short of a calamity, a disaster, horrific, grotesque. And what I thought was going to give them the pitching depth to go far, you know, they've fallen like a rock since then, and he's just been, he's been awful. But if you're the Indians... And you're part of this new winning way in Cleveland. Then you can look up and say, well, I wonder who's going to be a free agent soon. 
I wonder who's going to be a, you know, a cheap replacement. Because obviously, they don't need to get a superstar at this point. Because things are clicking the way they are. But if you go fill in some spackle, then Cleveland could be in a position. Look at the people have made the comparison between the Mets and the Indians several times because they have wonderful starting pitching and they have holes in their offense. And in many ways, that comparison is apt. But they also have some veterans who have been underperforming. They have a much better offense right now than the Mets had at this point last year. It's, the Indians' offense isn't great, but the Mets were playing minor leaguers. You could find yourself in a position where just finding a major, not a great player, a major league caliber player in Cleveland, just stick him in in the outfield. Just any, you know, someone give him a shot. So you have a major leaguer in there, and build upon a four-game lead. It seems surreal, it seems bizarre, but this is where the Indians are at this point. Now, I, it's, it's interesting that the Indians are now living in a world, like it used to be that you couldn't refer to any Cleveland team without the narrative. Now without the narrative, the narrative being that the city of Cleveland hasn't seen a championship since the 1964 NFL championship. Well, now that's, that's over. That's done. It's kaput. Now they are, you know, the, the Indians' drought is since 1948. But, you know, I just think that a certain amount of pressure has been released from the Cleveland Indians. And if they simply pull the trigger on filling in those tiny little holes, nothing major, don't give up major prospects, don't give up major ready-made uh, players who could be a year or so away. Just say, oh, this guy's not going to come back. Eh, we'll just throw him in there. He's, you know, he's better, he's better than putting a minor leaguer. That could be enough to win the AL Central. Now, I, again, going back to my predictions, I still think Kansas City's going to win this division because I think they're better than four games over 500. But what if I'm wrong? And we see what Francona can do, and we can see that a team that is bitterly flawed, a team that has, that is, you know, filled with holes, has a four-game lead as we're wrapping up the month of June. That's critical. You know, this is no longer the early part of the season. In a few weeks, we are going to be at approximately the halfway point of the year. Right now, as I'm recording this, the Indians have played 72 games. When they reach 80, they're nine games away from the halfway point. It's not absurd to start looking at what a team's position is in the playoff hunt. Again, there's a lot of time to make up for it, but not as much time as you think. We're approaching freaking July. And the National League picture is starting to look pretty clear. Now, the Pirates are only a game and a half ahead of Milwaukee at this point. Uh, I, the, the Pirates are a better team than Milwaukee. I believe they're going to have a winning streak and make up some of that ground. Is it going to be too little too late? I, I, as I said, I don't think so. Build upon it. 
The team that I think is the most surprising is Texas. With the, with the injuries to their pitching staff on all over there, you look up and you see the lead that Texas has on you know the, 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 the lead that they have on the rest of the you know the American League at this point in the American League West. And you look up and you say, "Holy tomatoes. What if Texas, you know, first of all, they made the, the, the deal of, you know, the, the deal of 2016 was made in 2015. That the Rangers came in and swooped in on Cole Hamels is still being felt. Yes, it probably got the, you know, gave the Rangers the bolt of confidence it needed to win the AL West last year. But let's not kid ourselves. If they didn't have Cole Hamels this year, this could be a disaster. But the fact of the matter is they have him. And now, with this big lead that the Rangers have right now, if they went out and got a starting pitcher where they don't, they're not in a position where they can really, you know, rely on Lewis or rely on, on, on Darvish or some of their other pitchers who are down. If they fill in and get one arm, just one decent arm, to put into their rotation, you know, if they and and do you know what? If if you're a team that's within your division, like you know, a Sunny Gray, not that I want the A's to trade Sunny Gray, but they might. And if you look up and said, "Is Sunny Gray worth like a Gallup or one of their top prospects?" You know, it might. It very well might be. When you're in the American League and you can win. Now, I was thinking about this the other day. It's a strange thought. I didn't pick the Cubs. And some people have accused me of being a Cub hater. Nobody hates the Cubs. Knock it off. Nobody hates the damn Cubs. But I was thinking, if the Cubs played the Indians in the World Series, I'd probably root for the Indians. Not that I hate the Cubs, but I like Francona, and, and I like the idea of, of another Cleveland title. I like the idea of, of the Indians having the championship. And if it was Cubs versus the Rangers, geez, this may sound weird, but I might pull for the Rangers. And a reason for both is this. There's been a lot of heartache with the Chicago Cubs, absolutely. But the Indians got to the seventh game of the World Series in the ninth inning with a lead. And the Texas Rangers had two innings where one swing and a miss would have clinched the pennant or one better-timed leap by Nelson Cruz would have won the World Series for the Texas Rangers. The Cubs haven't been in a World Series since 1945. And for a bizarre reason, that makes me feel a little more sympathetic for the Rangers and the Indians, if for no other reason than to wipe out those memories. To wipe out, you know, yes, a certain amount of pain with the Indians has been wiped out with the Cavaliers. That sounds bizarre, but that's part of the narrative. But I want to see the Indians get off the schneid and win that. And I want to see the Rangers because I would like to see that be wiped out, the, the pain of the 2011. 
because I've witnessed what the joy of that is for fans. I've witnessed my team, the Red Sox, be one strike away from the World Series and blow it. And getting to that moment and seeing your team collapse the way my team did, seeing them win suddenly turns that pain into positive, suddenly turns that horrible memory into that made me love this more. How can I say that more than the Cubs? Because I don't know. I think the Indian fans felt that pain because they were given that chance of saying it's about to happen. It's about to happen to the Rangers. And it's happened at a more, at a recent enough time. Maybe some younger Indian fans don't remember 97, but certainly fans of my age or even 10 years younger would certainly remember what happened in 1997 and turning that to a positive. Turning the positive for the Rangers. And if they just take a look at what they can build upon, well, I'm just saying it could unfold to an interesting October. And one where my personal ties for who I want to see win may not be too popular, especially with the people who think I'm already a hater. But I'm not a hater. I'm just a guy standing here in front of Nickerson Field in Boston University. And I got on a tangent. And damn it, I didn't get to the main point of this podcast. Maybe I'll keep standing here and it will be in a later podcast. So go to MLBReports.com and catch the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, which was not supposed to be about this, but I started talking about this, and this is where I am. For June 25th, 2016, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan, turning good things into bad. And you can call me Sully.